Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The power in the name. The power of the authority that you and I carry as believers. Well, if you grew up in a place where they taught you that you were this weak old worm in the dust, and I apologize to you, that is not what the Bible teaches. If you were raised in a church where they told you that you were just a weak old sinner, I apologize to you. You were a weak old sinner. If you're born again, if you are a child of God, you are not a weak old sinner anymore. You are a saint of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to jump right in. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. going to do a real quick review, and then we're going to finish this tonight because I want to, do, I want to bring in part 2 next week. Genesis chapter 1. We'll do it at the end. Don't worry. Pastor never forgets an offering. <laughs> we'll take the offering at the end. So get your offerings ready. There'll be buckets at the back door. If you don't know how to fill out the envelope, just give it to me. I'll, I'll fill it out for you. <laughs> I'll call the bank first to make sure you don't get an overdrift. <laughs> Verse 26, then God said, now listen, listen, listen. Because everything in our lives as Christians, as believers, starts in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Jesus came to the earth to restore us back to the truths of the book of beginnings. You got it? Now listen, listen. Listen to what God's original intent was for mankind. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them, male and female, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is God's original intent. Not that one would be over the other. Not that we would be subject to everything else that happens in this planet, but that everything else in the planet would be subject to God's man that he placed on the earth. Amen. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. That was God's original intent. That is the original intent of the creator. That this man that he created on the earth would rule and reign on the earth and he would be God's representative on the earth that you and I as redeemed, born again, children of God, filled with the Holy Spirit would have the ability to represent God on this earth in a very ungodly earth. Are you listening? All right. We talked about this last week about, about authority. There's a power to influence, to persuade resulting from knowledge and experience. A right conferred on someone is the right to take control in a situation, the power or right to give commands, right to, can I just, just go over to a little side journey here? So many of us pray prayers that we were never told to pray. There's many times that Jesus said that we're supposed to command things. And so what we do is we pray to God about things that we're supposed to take care of on the earth. And so it's like a picture of God going, what are you telling me for? I gave you the authority on the earth. If there's something wrong on the earth there, don't look at me. I gave it to you. Remember when, you remember when Moses came up to the Red Sea? 
and he had that staff in his hand, and he stops at the Red Sea. And it says he stops and he starts looking at God, and God's like, what are you looking at me for? I told you to cross over. I told you to take my people out of this land, bring them to that land. I told you, I didn't change my plan. Moses had the authority. What do you have to do? Lift up that staff, and what happened? And it says, then God sent the wind to part the seas. Some of us, we'd still be standing there with the stick there, like this there. Are you gonna do it now, God? He gave us authority. Jesus said, you speak to the mountain. And what do most of us do when we're in a crisis? We just circle the mountain and keep talking about it. Look at how big this mountain is. I don't know what I'm gonna do about this mountain. <laughs> My mountain's bigger than yours. It's a tough mountain. Jesus never said to speak about the mountain. Jesus said to speak to the mountain. You gotta do it. Jesus, come and remove this mountain. No, no, he gave you and me the authority to remove the mountains. Yeah, that went over real big. Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them. Remember, this is right after the resurrection. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Who's going to make disciples? We are. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to do what? To observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, or behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Paraphrase. Again, this is still review. We're going to get into some new material. This is what Jesus was saying, if we were to say today in plain language. Since I've accomplished all that I have, now all authority has been entrusted to me by my Father. Now listen, based on my authority, I release you and authorize you to operate as my representatives on the earth and in the realm of the Spirit. Use that authority to go and bring my gospel to all nations. Baptize them, teach them, disciple them, so they will operate in the same authority I have given you. That's powerful. Now, I can get off here and teach till tomorrow morning on this. Are we living a life of authority? Or are we living, you say, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty, well, we're not supposed to be under the circumstances. We're supposed to be on top of the circumstances. Oh, you want to teach you to say you're a pastor. No, I'm a human. I'm a child of God just like you are. I don't have a special gifting on my life. I may be able to, to bring a message because God's gifted me that way, but as far as having any more authority than you have, that authority was given to believers. That authority wasn't given to pastors. And you're a believer. But we've been authorized. You see, when you have authority, you are authorized to do certain things. And you and I are authorized to bring this gospel of truth, this gospel of grace, this gospel of forgiveness, this message that Jesus Christ died for us. And, he's, and God the Father is not holding sin against us any longer because he took our sin and placed it on his son. What, how disrespectful would it be for the Father to disrespect Jesus by allowing him to go to the cross, suffer the way he did, go into hell, be raised again from the dead, only then to put the same sin that he paid for on you and me. That's totally disrespectful. So, 
Knowing this, Jesus said, I went through all this for you. Now, here's your part. Take this message and bring it to as many people as you possibly can. We have the authority to do this. And people would say, well, you know, I don't like to talk about religion. We're not talking about religion. We ain't talking about religion. We're talking about a living relationship with God Almighty, the creator of the universe, who came to this earth in the form of his son to sacrifice that body, to spill his blood, and we are authorized to talk about this. Why do I need to operate in authority? Isn't God in control of everything? Is God in control of everything? If he is, he's doing a terrible job. The fact is, this earth he turned over to man. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I must well throw it out now. He gave the lease to this earth to Adam. Adam turned around and took the same lease, the same authority, the same delegated position of lordship, dominion, and got tricked by Satan, and Satan now is the God of this world. I know that doesn't go over real big, but go read your Bible. Satan is the God of this world until Jesus comes back and restores everything. So the devil has legal right to operate on this earth. Why? Because man gave it to him. Why did, Pastor, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we're living on an earth that is under the control of Satan. Jesus came, raised up his disciples. The disciples affected multitudes of people. And those believers now, down to the ages, down to all of us that are assembled in this room tonight, are the counter-revolutionary force on this earth to bring order back, to reinstate the will of God on a planet that is still under the curse of sin. So it's like we're operating behind enemy lines. We very much are. Very much are. That's why, we, that's why there's persecution. Why? Because the enemy does not want us here. Doesn't want us to be affected. That's why he clouds your mind with confusion. That's why he causes all kinds of turmoil to break out in your household, in your family, on your job, in your health. Why? Because if he can get you spinning your wheels, occupied with all these other things, you're not going to have time to go tell somebody about Jesus. You're not going to have time to go love on individuals and, and show them, uh, you know, yet you care about them. Because we get, as human beings, we get so caught up on our own needs. That's why we need to operate in authority. That's why we need to get to the place to say, oh, devil, you, you've had a ball up until now, but now it stops. In the name of Jesus, stop it. So, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. I want to I kind of bring this home a little bit more. Then Jesus being filled, this right after he got baptized, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward when, he, when they had ended, he was hungry, of course. Then the devil said to him, notice the enemy comes at the weakest point. Then the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, Command this stone to be bread. Isn't that, isn't that a crazy question? Because just, just 40 days before, when he got baptized, the voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And what did the enemy come after? 
The enemy came after that declaration from God Almighty to Jesus to see if he could get Jesus to doubt who he was. Jesus answered him by saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What did the enemy came at him with an accusation? He answered with what? The word of God. When the enemy comes at you with an accusation, what are you going to do? Go away, Mr. Devil. Go away, Mr. Devil. Did Jesus do that? No. He answered him with what? The word. The sword of the spirit. Then the devil take him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Which leads me to believe that we don't know the whole story about what transpired between Eve and the snake. Because that's how the enemy acquired this authority that he's bragging to Jesus that he has. So if the enemy, if the devil told Jesus, you have to worship me and I'll give this to you, that tells me not only did Eve listen to the voice of the devil, but she worshiped him. Or there couldn't have been that transaction. There couldn't have been that transaction. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil still wasn't satisfied. Verse 9, Then he brought him to, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, Now the, now the devil starts quoting Psalm 91, For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands I shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. But, but the place I want you to see here is verse 5 and 6. When the devil took him up on this mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. What happened? The devil gave him a vision. You know, the devil can bring visions too, you know. And some of you better stop praying for, for visions. Because you may get the wrong one. Let me not go, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble if I, if I comment on that anymore. Okay, don't pray to see angels. If God needs you to see an angel, he'll let you see an angel. But if you start praying to see an angel, you may have one show up at your house, but it may not be God's angel. So, listen. He gave him a vision. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world from the beginning of time up until the end of time. And the devil said to him, all this, come on, all this authority I will give you for their glory, for it has been delivered to me. Again, I want to bring you back to I need you to understand this because there's a question that torments believers. If God is truly in control, why does crazy things happen? Is God in control of the universe? Yes. Is he control of everything that happens on the earth here? No. Because if he did, there wouldn't be one person in hell. There wouldn't be any sickness. There wouldn't be any disease. There wouldn't be any calamity. There wouldn't be any accidents. There wouldn't be any rapes. There wouldn't be any crime. He gave us free choice. And in our free choice, Adam 
gave it to the devil. Are you listening? So, in order for there to be some sort of peace and order on this earth, God had to give his authority to somebody else on this earth that would, that would not fall for the temptations that Adam did and Eve did, and he gave them to Jesus. All, Jesus said, all authorities are given unto me. Now, since all authorities are given unto me, and, and talking to believers now, and as a believer, we are in Christ, right? Yes. You notice that? In all the epistles, we refer to as in Christ, with Christ. You notice that? Okay, because that's where our position is as believers. So if he has all authority and we're in him, who has all authority here on the earth? We do. Are we operating in it? Unfortunately, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we let the enemy just steamroll over us. We start getting into self-pity. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. And just everything happens to me. You can't operate in authority over the enemy and operate in self-pity at the same time. If you operate in self-pity, you will have no confidence to stand up and say, devil, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off that person. Take your hands off my finances. Take your hands off of my mind. Take your hands off of my health. You won't have the confidence to that. That's why the most dangerous attitude that a believer could entertain is the attitude of a victim. All right, maybe we'll talk about it sometime. I want you to listen to this statement. We live on a planet that has been handed over by a traitor to a rebel thousands of years ago. When Adam turned against God, he legally handed over rulership of the earth to Satan. We, as born-again children of God, believers in Jesus Christ, are in fact that force representing the kingdom of God on the earth until Jesus the King returns. Without believers operating on the earth on behalf of God, there would be no force restraining the kingdom of darkness. In Luke chapter 10, it's recorded for us that Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You getting this? I don't know about you, but even just teaching this, I feel strength coming in. Because it's the word of God. And the power of God rests on the word of God. You listening to me? Stop just making the word of God something that you put in a Christmas card. Or, or in a sympathy card. Jesus said that we should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the word of God on your lips and my lips is just as powerful as when Jesus spoke it. Amen. That should have got a wow. Okay, and I'm not asking you that because I need to hear it. You're not getting the reality of this because you're thinking, well, well that was Jesus. Yes, and we're not, we're not taking him out of a position. But he chose to walk on this earth as a man. Are you getting it? He chose, Jesus did not walk on this earth as God. He walked, he purposefully took himself out of that position and walked on this earth as a human being, watch this, empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Because if he came to the earth as God and operated as God, then he couldn't tell the disciples, look, the works that I do, you'll do also. Why? Because you're not God. I'm not God. Are you catching this? So, so again, stop looking at it. Well, well, that was Jesus. Yes, but he set the example for us as a believer on this earth that when we speak what God says, God honors it as if Jesus himself spoke it. Amen. Think of it this way. Our religious traditions have done so much to neutralize Christmas. Yes. Pastor, don't you know it's July? Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so you can go home and say, hey, we had Christmas in July tonight. <laughs> Think about this. Christmas has been turned into this, this carnival when it should be as important to us, if actually more important. Christmas to me, when I came to this realization, was like, oh, so Christmas is the Christian D-Day. Christmas is the day that the invasion took place of earth. When the liberator was sent from heaven to earth, disguised as a baby. You think Superman, where do you think they got that story from? And yet we, we want to sing Christmas cows and we want to drink uh, eggnog and we want to hang decorations up. And that's wonderful. But do you realize the seriousness of Christmas? Christ, when that baby was born and those angels shouted what they did, I can only imagine in the realm of darkness what must have happened. Like, what just went on? How did he slip in? Do you, you ever see those movies? Do you ever see the movie about D-Day? What is it? I think it's called The Longest Day. And, and the Germans are on the, in those bunkers uh, in, on the beach, beaches in Normandy, and the phones are going crazy, and they're going, well, we don't see any boats, and we don't, we don't see, yeah, yeah, oh, they're coming. And then you get to, no, they've landed. Oh, you're crazy. They, the same thing must have happened in the realm of the spirit. Why? How do we know that? Because it took almost two years for the devil to finally realize what he had to do. Why? Because two years later, Herod gives an order for all the babies in the area of Bethlehem to be slaughtered. Two years. That's what it surprises. And we want to say, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you. It was D-Day. It was the beginning of the invasion force to take the earth back from Satan. Now, do you know what happened in Europe when they finally won? You know what happened in Europe? Okay, John, you fought well. You get France. Paula, you get Germany. Carol, you get Russia. John, what do you want? You get England. What happened? They, they set every place they took back from the enemy. They appointed a governor. Someone that's going to make sure that that enemy doesn't come back. Somebody that's going to make sure that the rule of the new government gets enforced. And that's why Isaiah said, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. So, so let me ask you a question. Who are the governors now that have been appointed to make sure that that army doesn't come back? 
Well, I, Pastor, I, I don't know if I really like this. Because now you know, you're telling me that I got a part to play. And I have responsibility here. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if I like that. I just want to sit and in church and I want to go home and, and, and I want to just, you know, eat my quart of ice cream when I get home. And... <laughs> now, now, you want me to have responsibility. I don't know if I want to govern. <laughs> Can I throw some, some seriousness in here? Is that, is that a word, seriousness? We'll make it a word. Do we not realize that there's going to come a day in eternity when every believer is standing before the throne of God and every one of us are going to have to give an account, Paul said, to those things done in the body. And listen, and this is not a guilt trip here. This is a reality. It's a wake-up call. And God is going to say, my son suffered on the cross, tortured horrifically, shed the blood that was in his veins, gave up his spirit, went into hell, and suffered torments there so that you could operate in authority on the earth. What did you do with the authority that I gave you? Church, this is not a game. This isn't a game. I'm going to develop this into a series. So when I do, in a couple of months down the road, you guys act like this is the first time you're hearing it, all right? <laughs> I've been thinking about something this past week or so. We're not preparing the world for the second coming. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, we're the church. Every one of us in this room tonight that are believers, that we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have placed our trust in him for our salvation, we're believers. And we have received the grace of God, right? Yes, yes or no? Yes. His grace is on us, yes? yes? That's how you received your salvation, right? You exchanged, you gave him your faith, he gave you his grace. And so we are so wrapped up in this idea of the grace of God. And I'm concerned that just like the generation that was on the earth when Jesus was born was not prepared to receive him, I'm afraid we're doing a terrible job preparing this world. Why? Because they keep hearing us talk about grace and grace and grace and grace. And they, keep us hearing, they keep hearing us talk about this God of grace and God and grace. But guess what? When he returns, he's not coming as the God of grace. And you see, by us talking about this great God of love, and he is, by us talking about his just overwhelming grace, he is that, is he not? Yeah. Doesn't John chapter one say, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ? Yeah. yeah, yeah, then. But we're not preparing the world to receive the lion of the tribe of Judah. Because when he comes, he's not coming to bring grace. Uh, are you getting this? Yes. Some of you didn't like what I just said. You got very uneasy. If the world keeps hearing us talk about this God of grace and love and grace and love and grace, what incentive is there for them to receive him? 
Well, well, well when he comes, he's not going to be mad at us. When he comes, he's going to shower us like, like the grace is going to fall on us like powdered sugar in a bakery shop. So there's no incentive. We've got to start talking about who Jesus is when he returns. Do you understand that John the Apostle, who spent so much time with Jesus, when he saw Jesus in eternity, it scared the out of him, and he fell flat on his face. In fact, in the original language, it says that Jesus had to go over and touch him. John, John, it's me. It's me. It's okay. It's me. It's me. We keep talking about Jesus to our friends. And all we, all the only picture we show him is, you know, with the nightgown and the lamb on his shoulders. He's not coming back that way. Don't you understand this? He's coming back as a victorious conqueror. And he's going to come. And those that, are not, that have rejected him because they're waiting for this God of love are going to be totally surprised. And you know whose fault it's going to be? Ours. Now, can they know him as the God of grace now? Oh, absolutely. Can they know him as a God of just unlimitless love now? Yes. Can they experience his mercy now? Yes. But once the time comes that Jesus gets on that horse and returns to earth with his saints, oh my God. It says at that point that people are going to hide in caves and say, let the rocks fall on us to cover us from his face. I love Wednesday nights. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not, Jesus speaking, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he, see, we don't like this side. Oh, Pastor, tell us about the love. <laughs> he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, you know how I paraphrase this? Jesus is saying this, whoever doesn't realize that this is war is not worthy of me. All through the Bible, the life of the believer is marked by war. War. I don't know what it is with us, we think in our generation, we're exempt. I'm going to be finished here in a moment. It's obvious I can't get through the whole thing tonight. Can I ask you this question? And, and, and I don't know, maybe this is going to be sobering for some people. How are we going to stand in eternity in front of Jesus next to the person from India who watched his wife get burned to death, who watched his children get decapitated after we've lived such a cushy, soft, comfortable life in this country? How are we going to stand in eternity next to the person in Syria, Christian believer? who rather than give up his faith and renounce Christ, 
was decapitated, had to watch his son get slaughtered, had to watch his wife and daughters get raped. How are we going to stand next to them? When the slightest little thing that goes wrong in our life, we fall to pieces. And we have the nerve. God, God, how could you let this happen to me? I don't know about you, but I hope that when all those martyrs are standing in front of there, I'm like, I'll let you take care of them right now, Jesus. I'll be back in a little bit. Is it possible that if we, the church here in Cushy land, started to use our authority and start to pray and start to take authority over these spirits, that maybe we could reduce the persecution, maybe we could reduce the slaughter. Do you realize that there's more Christians being martyred now in the past few years than there have been in the whole history of the church? Oh, you're not gonna hear about it, why? Because the, news, the newscasts, the new broadcasters, all they're worried about is how they're gonna trap the president or how they're gonna, the Democrats are gonna fight against the Republicans and Republicans are gonna fight against the Democrats and what's the latest fashion trend and who, with the latest scandal that came out. Nobody's talking about stuff over there. Nobody talked about the other day when 200 rockets were fired into Israel. Now over here we're talking about the latest scandal, the latest test, 200 rockets fired by their neighbors into Israel. Do you think if Mexico started to shoot rockets or Canada started to shoot rockets into this country, do you think it would make the news here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because our skin is on the line. We need to use our authority. It makes me so mad when I hear people, where was God when you know, the towers fell in New York? Same place he's always been, on the throne. And God knows how many, I can speak for myself, guilty as charged. You've heard this story that my wife and I were going up to Newark Airport that Sunday. And as we turned around, I heard as clear as if somebody was sitting in the back seat. Shortly there will be a terrorist attack and the skyline will never look the same. I heard it. I knew I was supposed to pray, but I thought he's talking about 10 years from now. I didn't realize he was talking about two days later. Do you know what I felt like on Tuesday morning when that happened and I realized, oh my God. He was showing me on Sunday. For what reason? So that I could come here and, and sound super spiritual? No, he was telling me so that he would get an army of people that would start praying that maybe it could have been avoided. God only knows how many things that were heading our way that were not allowed to happen because somebody prayed. Somebody took authority. You see, we're, we're, we're heading this way in the next few weeks. Watch, I'm gonna give you a little appetizer here. Authority is only released by commanding and praying. You can know that you have authority left and right, but if you do not release it with the words of your mouth and if you do not pray, it's as if authority doesn't exist. You catching this? Are you guys learning anything? Because I'm done, I have to finish because we promise to keep it at an hour on Wednesday nights. Are you learning anything? Is this helping you? Now listen, before we go, real quick. If there's some people here tonight, you, you, you know about Jesus, you even believe about Jesus, but you never took the step that the Bible says to receive Jesus. Now, I have cousins that live in Montreal that have been there for decades and decades. I know their name, I might have seen a picture, but I've never met them. I've never met them. Most people here, especially in America, 
would say, yeah, yeah, I know about Jesus. But did you meet him? Have you ever asked him to be your savior, to be your Lord? Because the Bible tells us that we receive salvation not by the good works that we do and how much money we give away or not even how much we pray. We receive salvation when we come to the conclusion in our heart that Jesus is actually who he says he is. And that when we will speak with our mouth what we believe in our heart, the Bible says that we'll be saved. So I want to give an opportunity to anybody. I know there's a big crowd here tonight, and I'm so glad you're all here. And I pray that next week we have to put more seats out, because this stuff is important. But here's what's even more important. If you're here tonight and you've never prayed a very simple prayer to receive Christ that will translate you and, and transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. I want to offer that opportunity to you tonight. Can we all say this prayer together? Yes. All right, would you repeat this after me? And please, those of you that are praying this for the first time, I pray that you, that you would confess, would you, you would just say the same with your mouth that you already believe in your heart Amen. about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says when we do that, we receive salvation. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Father, Father I, believe I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he came to this earth to rescue me, to die for me, to pay for my sins. I receive you, Lord Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Tonight, I declare with all confidence that I am now a child of God, purchased by his blood, forgiven of my sins. And if I were to die this night, I can be confident that I will be in your presence for all of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.